Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse. Turn in their Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 to 10. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favour, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour, now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God... We commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Hey, we're in Philippians. That text relates to what we're looking at together this morning. I'm going to go straight into a, a video to introduce the subject of contentment. It's what we're looking at. It doesn't sum it up that well, but it, it captures something of it. And it's a brilliant video. Brilliant video. We'll have that now. Thank you. Thank you. 
ได้มีชื่อเสียงที่มากขึ้นลอกเลยสิเนี่ยเย่ย่ I've had a I've had a movie when I first when I first watched that too it's just yeah it's just incredible the difference we we can make in someone's life that was actually an advert for an insurance life insurance company seriously yeah funny when I was googling contentment It's bizarre what comes up. There we go. I got, I can I got somewhere to stand there. But look, elements of that are going to come up in the message this morning, and and so. But I just thought it's worth seeing. It's a reminder of what we give. You know, those little things, the difference they make, the money we give to impart. You know, stuff like that really happens. But we're looking at contentment, asking what it is, or rather. Allowing the Apostle Paul to tell us, to show us what it is. Our heading is this. We know we're obviously looking at what a fulfilled life looks like. Our heading is this. It's our fourth in the series in chapter four of Philippians. Contentment is gained as we walk through life's complex journey with Jesus. Contentment is gained as we walk through life's complex journey with Jesus. So true contentment, we're going to see this morning, true contentment is found in walking with Jesus. And that's the key here. And it's walking with Jesus through the journey of life. We're going to start at 10. We're going from 10 to 13. So based on the fact that we had about half an hour per verse, we're doing four verses today, that would give us four lots of half an hour, wouldn't it? Yeah, you look excited about that. Okay, verse 10. Okay, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last, at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you've had no opportunity to show it. So this is real life missionary work. In the ancient world, without telecommunication, okay, and they've had no means of knowing how he is, 
knowing what he needs, except that he certainly is in need, is a missionary, okay? And not being able to get anything to him. But something changed, though, and Paul says that finally they're able to support his ministry. The willingness was there, but you had no opportunity to show it. I would just emphasize that there. Up to now, there was no way to access Paul so far away. But listen to Paul's response, and this is incredible, in 11. Okay, I am not saying this, you know, you know, thanking them for their support. I am not saying this because I am in need. He is in need. Okay, I'm going to look at that shortly. But I notice his concern. He's more concerned about the profit it is for them spiritually in giving than the profit it is for him materially in receiving. I'm not saying this because of my own need. Paul is concerned about them, their state, the benefit that it will be for them. How beautiful an expression of their worship to Jesus. It is, I guess it would be like what we saw in the video early, that this is an expression of, of their giving, of what they're doing, not so much on what Paul is receiving. Moreover, Paul isn't, is concerned obviously for the fact that he wants to encourage their worship and their giving, but there's a little more with Paul. When you look at Paul's approach to money, here's one thing. Paul, first of all, made it absolutely clear, 1 Corinthians 9, 14, that a worker for the gospel ought to receive his living from the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9, 14, the, they should receive their living from the gospel. He makes it as a, he sets it as a precedent so that all the gospel workers around the world at that time receive a living in order to do gospel work. But, listen to this, although that's the standard, it's not for him. Listen to what he says in the following verse in 9.15. Although ministers ought to get uh, recompense, he goes, I have chosen, but I have not used any of these rights. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this post. Can you see what he's doing? He said, this is the standard that the world, the church is to operate by, except in my case. Except in my case. For Paul, he says, he, he communicates that he feels so indebted to Jesus that he cannot bring himself around to receiving his due income for serving Jesus. He can't bring himself around to it. And he says, as his response to this grace, he feels he owes it to Jesus. In fact, he has to be rather die than take uh, you know, the due income for, for ministry. He'd rather die than do that because he wants to serve Jesus entirely, freely of charge. It's something that he can give back. That's what he's saying. I can do this much. I can serve him and suffer the hardship of not having an income in serving him. And so in order to do this, in order to be able to serve Jesus without an income and suffer for that because you can't do missionary work without money, he says... I have had to learn, I've had to grow into a personal state whereby temporal needs don't bother me. Whereby temporal needs uh, have an unaffecting effect on my life. This is what it says in verse 11 to the Philippians, okay? I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances. It's an incredible verse. It's one we perhaps don't always labor on, but a necessary one, I'm sure you'd agree. Paul had learned to be content when the supply wasn't getting to him. And that's what he's saying here. He was in need. He surely had need. You can't do missionary work without resources. It's impossible to be in another country or any country, even your own, and to serve God on a full-time basis and to feed your family. It's an impossible reality. But Paul managed, we don't think he had a family, Paul managed to feed himself and not feed himself and remain in a state of contentment. And the thing here, the point here is, we imagine, don't we, he's a great apostle. Jesus obviously gave him some great gift whereby he, he could just cope with hunger. It didn't bother him. Maybe supernaturally even, you know, kept him. But that's not the point here. This is a Greek word, okay? It's manthono, the Greek, okay? Here's what it means. It's to learn from someone as a teacher. Or be someone's disciple. How has Paul come to the place where he's learned to be, where he's content in not having enough food? How has he come to that place? He has learned. Yes, <coughs> learned. Excuse me. The last dregs of my morning tea. He has learned in the school of discipleship. To cope with hunger. That's a key point here. He hasn't got some special gift whereby it doesn't bother him. Okay? Rather, he has been with Christ. Look, the other disciples had Jesus for three years. Paul didn't have that. But he did have Jesus. We will look to Timothy 4. He tells us here, at least one occasion, that there were several when the Lord stood by his side. Paul had many, numerous it seems, experiences where he met Jesus, the risen Jesus, the bodily Jesus, and where Jesus taught him, it seems. Reminded him, it seems. Hey, Paul, you can, you can live in hunger. I did it for 40 days. Hey, Paul, you can get through this cold. Just hang in there. And what Paul is communicating here is that he hasn't been given this special supernatural power to pull up with hunger, to pull up with cold, to pull up with suffering. No, what he's saying is Jesus has been with him in those moments and has taught him that he can. You can't go without food for several days. You can't live through a terrible, terrible cold. I know that. <laughs> okay? You can cope with people, thank you, Ricky, beating up on you. He elaborates in verse 12. Look, I, I know what it is to be in need. Okay? I know what it is to have plenty. But I've learned the secret of contentment in any and every situation. Whether well-fed, whether living in plenty whether I'm in want. What Paul is saying, this isn't something that, that's learned theoretically. He goes, I've been there. In fact, he's saying to the Philippians, when your gift didn't get to me, I was there. Okay? When you weren't able to communicate, get supplies to me, no one else did. I was in need. 
for a long prolonged period because but I've learned having been there, having felt the pain, the stomach cramps, the agitation, the trauma, having felt it, I've learned because of Jesus' presence with me that actually uh, I can live through it. I can cope. I can sleep even on an empty stomach. There's a, those of you who like movies, uh, the Mission Impossible series has this character, Benji. He helps Ethan Hawke. He's, he's, a, desk, he's a desktop uh, chap, you know, sits behind a desk is what he does. But he's desperate to get into the field to do real, you know, impossible mission stuff. And eventually, uh, Ethan Hawke calls him into the field. There he is down below to do real field work. But boy, does he have a rude awakening. You know, you know, being out in the field is not like pushing a pen behind a desk. Paul is a real mission. What's the word I'm looking for? A real field agent. He's really been there. Look at verse 12 again. I know. I know. I have learned. And, and set it ready for us in 2 Corinthians. He gives a bit of an elaboration there. Look, he goes... I know what it's like to be beaten, to be in prison, to, to be uh, the end of a riot. I know what it's like to work hard. In fact, I know what it's like to go through an entire night without sleep, to feel real hunger, to be really poor. I know what it's like to have nothing. That's why I've learned how to be content, because I've experienced, I've experienced those things. To the Philippians, look, he says in verse 18, I am amply supplied. So we do have to remember that. He's learned the abject poverty, but Paul also knows what it's like to have lots. You can imagine, can't you, when the Philippians' gift comes to him, he would have come in bulk. It wasn't a direct debit. He would have come in bulk. And at least for a season, Paul would have had the opportunity I suppose to, to have a measure of indulgence. So he knows what it's like to have lots. He knows what it's like to have nothing. And verse 11, in either situation, he's learned contentment. And, I want, and why contentment? Again, it's not that Paul has just learned to pour up with it. There's more to it than that. He's learned to... Ex- exist. Happy is a strong word. He's learned to exist in a state whereby he's not miserable. I think that's his point. Oh, we can go with hunger, you know, but we're terribly miserable, you know. And if anybody says a word to us, you know, we can, you know, bite their heads off. It's, it's not what he means. What he's saying is he's learned to be content, thereby he's learned to cope for prolonged periods and still function, still pastor the church, still be a missionary, still be amenable to people, still feel it's worth living, still exist in a state where he's not suicidal and where he's not shaking his fist at God. Because I've learned that secret. Here's what... Ralph Martin, the commentator, says, He has learned the secret of deep peace based on detachment from the outward circumstances. 
In whatever conditions of life he finds himself, he discovers the will of God for his situation. He's not miserable in his hunger. He's found that he can live in his hunger. When I was, I think, about 17, a couple of years ago, this, when I was 17, uh, I, I was keen to do missionary work, and I, I located these missionaries that just come back from the Middle East. They work for, there's a picture there, I think, Greg. They work for the Red Sea Mission uh, Movement. Uh, a lovely, delightful old couple, retired missionaries, and they'll tell me what it's like. And I just noticed the way they lived, Okay. Every crumb, every grain of rice, they were concerned about. Nothing was wasted. If I'd left something, they'd put it away in their fridge. They were going to make use of it. It reminded me when I was thinking of writing this, how, how they had learned that. They had learned that in missionary school, you know, the need to preserve every last crumb because you never know when the next meal may come from because, you know, back in those days, even, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you know, money across the continent was difficult to pass. They learned that. And, you know, they were miserable. They were a delightful couple. They had learned through years of missionary work, of living on the breadline. They didn't pay missionaries well in those days. Okay? To be content with little. It's what Paul is saying. I have learned to exist in a place of positivity in Jesus, whatever the circumstances. Verse 13, it's a, it's a continuation. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Let me give you some examples of this. Look, and this isn't funny, you don't you dare laugh. I can bench press, that's when you're lying down on your back and you've got a pole, <laughs> wait, 950 Ks. Okay? The weight, the weight of a small car. I said to you not to laugh. Okay? Okay? No, it, it's true. He, I don't know what you're laughing at, he can catch 50 whiting an hour. 50 whiting per hour off Point Turton. That's more believable. Okay? Oh, thank you. Okay? Nikki can win X Factor. Okay, with her eyes closed as a, as a contestant. No. Why isn't anybody laughing at that? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Sarah. Okay. Can you see the point I'm making about that verse? I can do everything through whom who strengthens me. It's one of the most terribly abused and misquoted verses in all of the Bible. And I was walking through Kurong the other day, and look, you know, looking for something for on behalf of the team for Morag. And uh, you know, I love all those little texts of scripture on you know on those big boards. But you know, I can't help myself. Misquote, misquote. I'm just walking through the shop, going misquote. Wrong context, bad context. Doesn't apply. Sorry, it's the only way I can read those verses because they're all misquoted, out of context, stripped from their scenario, and. They don't really mean those things, friends. I know they love you to have in your house, but they're not really saying what they say, what it sounds like they're saying to you. They're not. You know, when he says, you know, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It's a beautiful text, and God does. But that's, you know who they're speaking to? He's speaking to people in exile, the Jews. Uh, 
it does have some impact for your life. But the context is important. The context is important here. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. No, I can't bench press 950 kilos. Sorry to disappoint you. Maybe 875 on a good day. Okay. What is Paul saying there? What's the flow and context? What is Paul saying? What does he mean when he says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me? What's he saying? He can deal with everything. That he can deal with hunger. Yeah. He can deal with having great. He can deal with being beaten. That's what he's saying. That's the context, okay? So next time you get bought, if you bought that for your house, please <laughs> put a context underneath it, okay? What he means is, I can do everything. I can handle every hunger pain because Jesus is strengthening me. Okay? I can handle every sleepless night because Jesus is strengthening me. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. He had learned the secret and the secret of coping in hardship and coping in ease Coping in pain and coping in comfort is walking with Jesus and receiving his encouragement in our walk. Here's what another commentator writes. Paul is not claiming uh, omnipotence, the ability to do all things without exception. Any use of this verse to support a claim or a goal of triumphant, victorious Christian life without weakness or limitations, and some people preach such lives, conflicts with the immediate context and the wider teaching of Paul. See what he's saying? Hey, we can't do everything. It's true. We can't. Okay, I can't really bench press all those weights. But we can in Jesus cope with the context of what Paul is talking about here. Hunger unhappiness, trauma, illness, being beaten up, and the like. Paul, you see, Paul says there aren't, there's no magic cure to all those things in our lives. But there is a pathway through them with Jesus. Contentment is gained as we walk through life's complex journey with Jesus. Uh, our first church, the first church that I pastored, was in Kent, in, in, an incredibly affluent part of Britain. And particularly where we were was one of the particularly affluent parts of Britain. I was completely out of place as a Brummie, seriously. Uh, but, but in that church, you know, you know, I could preach about having plenty and learning to be content in that because that was a scenario for many in that place. In my second church, it was uh, North Wales, and a particularly a working-class environment. Poverty, a common thing. In that context, I could preach about being poor and learning to be content. Here we are, here we are in Adelaide. It, it's, it's a kind of a balance of those two places uh, materially. Okay, But here, I could preach about coping with illness and the trauma. Of, of carrying these ailments that we carry. And a lot of people could, could relate to that. And, and, no. and so the point here is, friends, 
wherever we are, whatever our circumstance, hey, we're going to face times of ease and times of want, times of great pain, times of ease, times of great personal struggles and times when everything's just going roses. But whatever those circumstances, here's Christian maturity. Okay, it doesn't work for me because I get really excited easily. Here's Christian maturity is that we don't get excited when we've got lots and we don't get in the, down in the dumps when we've got nothing. Okay? We don't revel when everything's going for us and we're not miserable when nothing's working out for us. You see, this is what mature Christianity looks like. It's what Paul demonstrates is that, that there's an evenness in our walk. We don't get too excited and we don't get too down. We walk somewhere in the middle. We thank the Lord for the good things, but don't count on them. Okay? We praise the Lord for when it's not me. See, it's telling me the stuff that men have to do generally when they're 70. Okay? Okay? But I'm not reveling in the fact that I haven't got it to cobbling with that next. I'm maybe 70 in 20 years' time. Okay? So we, we take the rough with the smooth. We have a balanced approach to life. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing. But we remember that that rejoicing may not last. We, we enjoy plenty when it comes. But we're ready that, hey, things may get very hard for us. And Paul has learned on his Christian journey that the only way he can cope and continue in his ministry before the church, before the world, is to learn to cope with all the diversity that life will throw at him. So here's something. You're not going to leave this service with the magic cure for contentment, like it's something I can give to you. I can't give it to you. Jesus himself doesn't give it to you. But I hope what we can leave this service with is this knowledge that through Jesus, I can come to a place, I can learn in school to better cope with those set of circumstances. Better cope when everything's going against me. Better cope when everything's, you know, stay stable, level-headed when everything's going for me. Better cope with that terrible, terrible gnawing pain. And be, and be approachable when, I, when, every, when I'm in good health to someone who's suffering terribly. When you visit somebody and they're suffering terribly, you don't sit there telling them how wonderfully healthy you are. You aren't into something of their experience with them. That's what we can take away from this today, friends. Hey, the docks won't always be lined up for us. So we brace ourselves for when they're not. The dark valleys won't always be our experience. But whilst they are, we learn to live with them. And that's the task. You see, we can't change. And it's a lie to suggest that we can, that a preacher can that Jesus will. We can't all change our circumstances. And certainly not instantly. 
And some may take a long time to change. If we don't adapt in some way, it will be the ruin of us. It will. Because you can't change everything. And Paul learned that. He knew that. If he was going to stick on this agenda where he wasn't going to uh, take anything from the church, he was either going to be the most miserable missionary you'd ever met, or he's going to have to learn to cope with nothing. And he says, you know what he says to us? He goes, I found there is such a place. So long. And this is a secret. I can't, I can't go and preach this out in the open square this afternoon because it wouldn't apply. Because it only applies because this is a secret. Jesus. So long as you have Jesus, that is the secret to live in a contented life, whatever the circumstance you're in. May God change some of your difficult circumstances. And we pray, don't we, for that? But let me be honest with you. Some of your circumstances are not going to change. We either die miserably or we learn in Jesus to find a new level of existence beyond the trauma of our realities. I have learned, says Paul, I have learned, says Paul, to be content. Because I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Amen. Living Word Bible Church. Teaching the Bible verse by verse.